Mr. and Mrs. American All the Ships at Sea, Ed Sheen for Colony Confidential. We're here today with our partners from Experity. We're going to learn a lot today. So hang in there, get your pencils, paper, pens, whatever. I know I'm old school. Okay, so whatever you got to do, you're going to learn a lot today. Yeah, so it's uh, Joe, the brains of the organization. We do have Insperity back. Jill Chapman, who we spoke with last year, is back with us. And we have some of our colleagues. So we thank Insperity again. We got to do more of these because the last time we spoke with Jill, and like either the day before or the day after, people called about Insperity and ended up signing up with you guys. And I, I woke up this morning to a text message from a woman in Maryland saying, Joe, it's you that talks about Insperity, right? I need to talk to you. A lot has transpired in the last three days, let alone the past nine months. We do have a lot of questions from our people. We've narrowed it down to what we feel are some of the best ones. So before we start, Jill, people have heard from you before. Does anybody from the Insperity team want to jump in and just introduce themselves and what they do so that the audience can know who's going to be speaking? My name's Lori Sweeney. I'm an HR specialist, a senior specialist at Insperity. I've been in HR for over about 20 years, always in this New York, New Jersey area, but working with companies that, that have people all over the country. I have a really broad perspective. My clients at Insperity cover a lot of different industries, so I'm seeing a lot of different challenges, and uh, hopefully today I can address some of the questions and maybe give you folks some ideas on how they can handle the questions and the challenges that they're having with COVID and hiring and everything else. All right. I think it's going to be very interesting, and your job is certainly going to be challenging as we navigate all the permanent changes that COVID has created. So, first question, how can employers either preserve the culture they had pre-COVID, or what are some suggestions you may have for those who need to change the elements of a culture to adapt to the new reality? Every successful company has a positive company culture at its core. But what is company culture? It's the way that we do things around here. It's not inside a building. And so I think that there was a lot of conversation, especially as people who might have gone to work remotely in some way, but starts to bring the office staff back in and they're thinking, what happened to my company culture? It might have changed a little bit, but it's it's not because you were in or outside of the building. It's the, the values that you carry. It's the way that you do things. It's what your people see you as a leader doing that sets that tone and sets that culture. There may be reason to write the ship a little bit as you come back into the office. But really, when you think about your culture and you think about where it is right now, you think about, is this how I want people to feel when they come to work? right? Whether they're coming into the office, whether they're logging on Zoom, whether they're stopping by to get some supplies and that sort of stuff, and they're going to be out in the field all day long. But how do you want them to feel when they think about your organization? That's at the gist of it. So if, if it doesn't feel the way that you want it to, then you begin to think, well, how can I change the way things, things are going? But I think that there's some basic tenets here, some things um, for everyone to remember is number one, you got to lead by example. If you expect something, you ex expect behaviors, you expect attitudes, you got to demonstrate what, what it is that you're trying to get everybody else to as well. And I think a big component of it is being clear in your expectations. 
what you will tolerate, what you won't tolerate, what is expected when somebody comes into your organization. So be clear with those, figure out how to articulate that in a way that people understand that this is a true value of the organization. Everybody's living and breathing it. And if I'm faced with the decision to turn right or turn left, I know which way I'm supposed to go because I understand what the expectations are around here. So again, it, it all comes back to the leaders. The leaders embracing the mission and vision and then being able to communicate it out to the people. And when you talk, you know, really talk to them, get to know them. I think last time when we talked how important communication is at every step of the way, but understanding what's going on with your folks. If you think that your culture has degraded during this COVID era, then let's talk about it. Let's say, what are people thinking? What are people seeing? And why is this happening? And then armed with some of that information, I think it gives you the direction that you want to take your company. And once you get all this kind of settled out, then it moves into a hiring thing, making cultural-based decisions on hiring. So you're going to ask questions of the people coming into your organization. Questions like, how did you help a teammate who was um, struggling to meet a deadline. So maybe you have a coworker that's out running their jobs and they've got a full schedule today. You're done. Do you go help your other folks or do you just say, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to the beach. I'm doing whatever I want to do. And asking questions about how did they handle things in a way that demonstrates how do they think about things? How much do they value their teammates? How much did they value the culture of the places that they've been before? I agree. I just wanted to... Um underline how important it is. It Usually it's not just one or two people that are running it. You have some supervisors. It's so important as leaders to be clear on what it is you want your employees to feel. Make sure your management knows what that message is. Make sure that you're giving it to them and you're encouraging them to articulate it to your employees. Because that's where I see a lot of breakdown is the highest level leaders, the owners of the company. They're very clear on things. But Maybe they haven't checked in to see if their line managers and their supervisors really understand it and embrace it. So pay attention to your next level down. Make sure that you don't play telephone and you get something garbled at the end of it. You guys are saying your culture really shouldn't have changed necessarily because your culture is your culture. And if you do think your culture changed, then it's finding out why and Mm -hmm. potentially correcting that or something along those lines. Right. And, and you know, you either have culture by design or by default. So you can be proactive and call in the shots, or you can just let it happen to you. And so maybe during the COVID, people were a little distracted and they didn't shepherd those mission, vision, and values as, as well as they could have or should have during that time. So it might've taken a little bit of something might've fallen off the rails a little bit, but <clears throat> It's being mindful of that and bringing back, bringing everybody back to center. Also, if your team changed a lot during COVID, you lost some people, you brought some people on, those messages weren't communicated, that could have tweaked with your culture a little bit. And so you might have to do some extra work there because every time you add somebody, it changes the DNA of your company. So um, important to to try to shore that up if you might have misstepped with that. Yeah. So whoever asked this question, I think a good idea is potentially as you're getting people back, if you're bringing people back or whatever the case is to just go over the culture again and, and start. Whereas before you it was almost an assumption. Everyone knew it. Maybe it's just a quick reminder. And maybe if you're, if your culture is really about team and stuff like that, try and do some team events and get them back out there so that they remember what it was all about. Because I think that Jill hit it on the head that People may not have fostered all of the core values while they were 
not in. But there is the human piece of it. If you're just talking, even like this, it's less human. Mm-hmm. But if you're really just texting and emailing at some point, you do lose that part of our culture. The word is feels like a family and you just can't like that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Again, underlining how important it is to be thoughtful about it. Like Jill said, culture either happens to you or you thoughtfully drive the values and communicate to your employees over and over again, right? It's in how you speak to them. It's in the messages that you send. It's what you prioritize and choose to focus on when you have a Zoom meeting with folks or you're standing in a a kitchen getting a cup of coffee, right? You should, as leaders, be mindful of what are our our focus? What are our values, our our priorities that I want to communicate? It's beyond just, hey, did we take care of that customer? It's how we took care of them. What's important to you? So I, I think as a leader and when I'm dealing with employees, I think, how can I not just get the work done, but also communicate what it is I really value out of the interaction or any part of of the relationship that my employees have with me or our clients? Again, being mindful of it. it. You may not like the result if you're not thinking about it on a regular basis. I think all of what you said, I agree with, but I think when things are troublesome, like COVID, Mm-hmm. That's the time to really push up the level of interaction. Like I think we took people out to dinner every once in a while to customers who had stayed with us and like bars, of course. But bars and restaurants. Even though it's difficult in all our lives and something like that, you got to give it a little extra effort to say, I'm with you. I know it's tough. I'm out there. That's the time we got to kick it up. I think that these sorts of things and how we communicate our culture and what that culture feels like, that's going to be an important factor for new hires. They're going to want to know. So you better be able to speak to it and be able to show a potential new hire what that looks like at our organization, what our culture looks like, because I think it's going to be a defining factor. People were at home for a long time and got to think about where it is that they're working now, what they really want out of life, and and they're making a lot of decisions around that. So they're going to be very purposeful to make sure that they're aligning with a culture that kind of resonates with them. Yeah. So just thinking about the home services industry, right? They never stopped all COVID. We deal with other home service people, garage doors, construction, plumbing. They change slightly, but if a minimal, maybe if their office team is 20% of the whole staff, those are the only people that were affected with no, that went and worked from home. So it's even like, just to speak more into the culture, it's even more, uh, if somebody's culture has changed, you really got to dig into the why, because if 80%, if you're in home services and 80% of your staff was still in face-to-face, then it is something else. And I know from us, like we let certain things slide during COVID because it was a global pandemic. <laughs> so digging out of that is what we have to do and making sure people don't get burnt out and all the other crazy things and really the communication and the messaging piece, pushing that forward. And like Ed said, staying in, involved and in, you know, in their face, if you will. Because right. think about what if you were one of those people delivering the at-home service, 
yet your folks back in the office are now working from home. They're not having to commute. They're not having to do things. And they're also not getting out there and face to face with other people who you don't know what they've got or what's going on and that sort of thing. So you could see there'd be some barriers that start to get built up or some walls that get, to, that get built up. There's always that us versus them, I think, with some of that anyway. But you could see that might build a little bit during the COVID. Plus, they're tired. dude. They've been doing it the whole time. They didn't get any kind of... Uh, right face or anything like that and in some cases maybe they were doing more because their co-workers were getting sick or something like that and then it, it just seems like with covid like every time all right we got this thing figured out no because here you go with all these new rules and you thought it was bad when people were just sick for two weeks now you're going to lose in some cases 40 percent of your staff because they're not going to get back which is happening but the managers, the leaders, the supervisors, they're like, I, this is just for me. I don't want them to get burnt out because they've been nonstop. Like they've had a month to breathe and then boom, mm-hmm. back into panic mode. Any tips? Uh, I don't know. Aside from saying, hey, take four days off, that's even an option. But they talk about it. They call it things like the great resignation and the turnover tsunami and all this that is being predicated by some of these people who are the burned out group and the group that said, I wasn't completely happy before and I stuck with everything because it was a global pandemic and I was afraid to make a change at that time or a lot of people weren't hiring. But now there's a help one and sign on every corner. I've got options now. And I think it is time for us to circle the wagons, if you will, and and have honest conversations about who our people are, what they're thinking right now, who's on the bubble, who's a potential flight risk, and what can we do to speak into that particular individual? Because I don't think it's a one size fits all. I don't think you can just give everybody this or everybody that, and everybody's going to be happy. I think you're going to have to figure out what messaging, what reactions, affect those individual people. And some of the signs that you can look for if you think that maybe there's trouble brewing, because you never want to get complacent about turnover, especially in a time like this. There's too many offers that are coming into people and too many other options for them. So you don't want to get complacent, even if you think that you're bulletproof, if you will. But I think the obvious things that we've always talked about when we talk about turnover is you start watching people's attendance habits. Are they taking a lot of extra vacation? Are they coming in late? Are they leaving early? Are they calling in sick all the time and, and some things like that? But I think it's even more than that. You've got to look even beyond that. Are you sensing that people are feeling a little distanced from their colleagues? They're not participating like they used to. They're not opining into questions or situations. They're just, their relationships with their coworkers are beginning to change a little bit. I think another thing is they've lost, potentially have lost sight of, of what's meaningful about their work. And really at the heart of everything, we all want to feel like we're doing meaningful work. And so if they lose sight of why what they do is important, they're going to withdraw a little bit. They're going to begin to disengage. And I also think if they're not recognized for their work, and again, that kind of goes to, there's not a one, there's not a a one size fits all answer to that because what might motivate me might not motivate Lori. So you got to know your people. And again, it goes back to that communication, just knowing who your people are, but look for some of those things because those can be precursors. Um, to know that you've got somebody that's a potential flight risk in your organization. And I think we spoke a little bit with you about this, the internal net promoter score or employee net promoter score. I think that ties into this too, because if you're below on everything, you got a problem. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure how the management team is going to take that, but 
it, we put it at a four, which we felt was low because it was year one. So now it's going up to four and a half now that we've passed for most of the year. You must have some really good HR consulting. I don't know. Somebody must yeah, we do. He does. Give a plug to Laura Grillo. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's My sister recently um, came back with us. And the other day we were talking. And she sees everything. And she'll call me like on a personal. This is insane. I'm like, yeah, you don't even know COVID insanity. And then she just said, I know you would have been able to handle it, but what would you have done without disparity? I was like, I would have been bald or gray, especially in the beginning. And even right now with the mandates, Laura's been great. Just navigating makes it easier. Having somebody who's an expert just really did make it a lot easier. So how you begin to work on some of those people to get them back into the fold is that you reiterate the importance that employee value proposition of why they're an important part of the, the whole operation and give them line of sight to how the world would be different if they weren't there and re-energize them with things like that. When they start to show those signs, it doesn't mean that all's lost. It just right. means you've got a little heavier lift there to keep them engaged. And I'm a big believer in asking people what motivates them because money Good. motivates some people, Not other everybody. people, you literally just have to say, you're doing a great job, man. Thank you. Yeah. They want that pat on the back. Uh, it's a big yeah. motivator. Yeah. yeah. But if you don't ask, you don't know. Even right. all the behavioral assessments in the world, it's as easy as saying, hey, man, what motivates you? Exactly. Or just getting to know them a little bit more. You know that they run marathons. We'll talk to them about that sort of thing. The, the whole person shows up for work. I don't care what you want to say. They can't leave it at the door. So get to know them and, and what's important, what makes them tick. And I think a lot of things will write itself if you do that. I would agree. Here's, a, here's another good question, especially now. We had an employee go away on vacation. When they came back, no symptoms, nothing. But when in the coming days, four coworkers were infected, what kind of protocol should we have in place to avoid this from happening? Again, is there something that could be put in place? It's hard in your industry because you need these people to go and visit your your clients, go out to their businesses and things like that. One of the easiest, if you have an office employee, is to say, you need to stay home for a few days. We'd really recommend you get a test. If you have to have that person in the office or visiting customers, I would reiterate to them how important wearing a mask is. Was there a correlation between the person who came back? Did they end up with COVID? And, or were your employees just saying, oh, now I have COVID that I could have gotten at a restaurant or a bar or a supermarket, but I know that Joe was away. So I, I, it must've been from Joe. Like part of it is managing employees. Remind everybody what you're doing and how you're keeping everyone safe at work. The easiest thing, again, if you're able to let them work remote for a while, do that. Otherwise, mask up, stay masked, socially distance, at least for the length of the CDC guidelines. If you're, I think it's, if you're vaccinated, it's seven days now that they're saying socially distance, wear a mask around people. It could be longer. They keep updating it. I'm reading that site every day. Updating and down dating. Today, it's one thing, then tomorrow is the next thing. Oh, wait a second. Let's go back to the first thing. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And then shots and wash your hands. You got to run a business like that, Sheehan. Every day is a new law. That, yeah. Cool. All right. So just further on uh, what Lori was saying, you could get as creative as you want. Just keep in mind, because the other piece with all this is the cost, right? You could just mandate a COVID test. Three days after, let them get a COVID test. But just keep in mind, and Lori, and you could correct 
I mean, you probably have to pay for that if you're mandating that as the employer, right? Yeah, yeah. If you're mandating it as a requirement, if you were to say to somebody, hey, you're traveling, you've been out of work, we need to keep the, everybody safe, you're going to have to take time, more time off and stay out of work. Or you can bring me a test, err on the side of doing the right thing. If you're going to ask your employee to come back to work and, and they have to get a test, pay for the test. It's really a challenging time. And like you said, every company is changing every week. So it's impossible to stay on top of. It's so frustrating for you guys. I have a question regarding recruitment. We had our friends from Search Kings. They'll do your online marketing, pay-per-click. Okay. But they told us about doing the same thing for hiring and recruiting, where you could create a campaign. You know how you look on Indeed and you search pest management technician. And all of a sudden, I pick that up and the algorithm grabs you, Jill. And then when you now you go to Instagram, our same ad comes up, Colony Pest is hiring. You go here. So we're looking into doing that. But- my question is, is there any liability around that as a recruiter? I, I think that it, we've already watched the, the mindset shift for employment marketing to mirror what we do for business getting marketing. It's the same idea. And so a lot of the tools that we used to see that lived over on that <clears throat> business to business or business to consumer side have migrated now over to recruiting. So there's a movement to say, let me get my SEO organized in such a way that that I can communicate across the different platforms or geofencing where you go in and you create a perimeter around a zip code or something like that. So that when somebody comes into that and you know that they fit this profile, they're going to get a pop-up um, that says, hey, you looking for work? So that's been around for the last several years now. Because <clears throat> that's really what we're doing. You're selling your company to yeah. your customers, but you're selling it to candidates. Right. You, yeah. You're, yeah. you're always selling. We do something that not everybody does. We pay for a 30 minute lunch every day. And I told my team, you need to drive this. Don't forget to take your lunch today. That's paid by us. <laughs> Remember this. You know what I mean? And because it is a selling point. People are like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then you have other people, I don't care, I don't need this. The other alternative that's actually the industry standard is one hour unpaid. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do that? And you look, we know people just like to complain sometimes. Mm-hmm. But you, but the point is, you're selling your company to get business and you're selling your company to get team members. You bring up a good point because so many in your industry are smaller organizations. And what are they going to do to be competitive or to appear competitive with some of the stuff that's going on now with the <clears throat> with these supersized organizations? And I would say, I don't know that you want to go toe to toe with Google right. or with Amazon or with anybody like that. You want to be able to carve out those kinds of people who believe in the values that you represent and would appreciate that 30 minute lunch, that that sort of thing speaks to them. And the fact that I'm going to join a family, because I can guarantee you, you join some ginormous enterprise, you're not going to feel like you joined a family. That's for sure. Being able to take those messages and keep beating that drum to remind people why you're an employer of choice, even though you may be this size instead of that size. And don't forget to highlight those great benefits that you offer through Insperity. And we created, Insperity helped us actually, Andrew helped us a little bit with, but we created a PowerPoint to sell candidates on, here's what you get, here's here's what we do, here's our matching fall. And we created a career path or what we call your path to success. If you come and you have no knowledge, here's how it works, here's the pyramid, and here's the top of the pyramid, you start here, and here's the timeframes and what you need to do to get there and 
Sometimes afterwards, I'm like, oh, you think he bought that sales pitch? You think that person bought that sales pitch? Well, that's but what it's it is. all true. Yeah. And it's worked because we have two new hires during COVID that called us. And they were one of the top two people. One guy called and said, hey, I'm just following up. There's some other people that want me in for a second interview, but I really liked you guys. And then another guy called and said, I got offered a job today for another pest control company, but I'd rather work for you. I just want to know if you consider it. And then I grabbed like my whole manager team was like, this is why we did it. Mm-hmm. This is the exact reason. Look at this. Yeah. We were already thinking about this person and this person, but this guy wants to work here. This woman wants to work here. That, tell me all the other pros and cons what you're thinking about. That's got to be a pro for this person. And then I know you guys do a lot of like social media. You you do a lot of proactive kinds of things, but take those messages and then take those people to, to say those messages in their own words. And they look like the other kinds of people that you want to attract. So get them out there on social media, talking about why they chose your organization. They could highlight one or two of those things that, that you shared in the sales pitch, but, but get them out there to evangelize. That's a key thing. Thing, especially if you're trying to attract the younger generation into the organization. Yeah, I agree. Just as you would do customer testimonials mm-hmm. and ads, right? You want to do employee testimonials. You are marketing mm-hmm. to candidates now, right? It's not, oh, you need me more than I need you. Employers who want to get the best people, you've got to sell them. Show yeah. them why you're different and special. We just hired somebody and he was like, oh, I saw your website. I saw your social media. I think he might be a Gen Zer, but he broke the entire social media campaign down for the past six months. And then he ended with, and you have a ton of great reviews. And I was like, oh my God. We talk about this. We we talk about the career consumer. And so what do you do if you're going to buy a new phone, you're going to buy a new car, you're going to do your research. And and so why wouldn't we, when a job is the biggest thing that we do in our lives, besides picking a mate maybe, but why wouldn't we invest the same sort of investigatory kind of time to learn about that place that we might be about to join? So think about people are going to research you just like they'd research buying a new car or making a a big life decision, a house or whatever. So be in those places where those people are going to go. Those, you know, glass door reviews or whatever, when he said you got all these great reviews, whether he was looking from an employee standpoint or even your customer standpoint, because to me, it would be just as important to see your great customer reviews too. Being able to highlight that stuff, have that stuff feed back over to your website so they don't even have to go searching for it. It just pops up. But make it easy, make it super easy for them to see how they could fit with your organization. And then the, the bonus part of that is if those sorts of things don't jive with that person, they know to move on down the road because you don't want everybody applying for your job. You just want the right ones. Yeah. Yeah, and I heard such good things. You're having fun. You're engaged with your employees, social responsibility. The company is raising money for a good cause. All of these things really resonate, not just with millennials and Gen Z, but with everyone. I think just all all of these candidates that are out there, and myself, I'm in a different demographic than millennials, but to see a company that's engaged and that's thinking more about just the bottom line, or I'm thinking about other things. There's more to this company than just get the work done every day and go home. Leave me alone. I give you a paycheck. That that means a lot now. I, I think we've all evolved as employees. We want more. Yeah. Six things that we always say that people are looking for. They want to respect them as an individual. They want to know that they're making a difference. So the work that you do with corporate social responsibility and that sort of thing, how am I making a difference in the world? 
And how would I be making a difference within that job? But I need to feel like I'm doing something that it's better because I was there. People all want to grow and develop. There anybody who wants to just sit on their hands um, and do the same job over and over again. People want to grow. They want to be developed. Now they may have the same sort of title or something for a long part of their career, but they want some new things, new tools, new technologies, new ways to do it, be more innovative about how they approach their job. But people want to, to be able to grow and, and be able to develop. So that was three. Now I got to get to trust. They want to feel that they can trust the organization that they align themselves with. Lori, what am I missing? No, I was thinking like trust and psychological safety, same thing. Mm -hmm. Feeling confident about your position in in the company. Yeah. And And you get that solid rock, that person who they're great at their job and they're happy in their job. That's where you as the leaders, as the managers want to take that initiative and ask them, engage in a conversation. Hey, are you happy, right? Yeah, I I know you said you don't want to move. You're not looking for a promotion or a different job. How can, what can we do for you? What can we do for you to just make this job that you're doing better? And see, a lot of times you put that question out to the person, they have an idea in their head what they want. It might not be so clear to you looking from the outside. Mm. Not everyone wants the promotion. Not everyone wants the new challenge in, in, in terms of, I don't want to go from being a pest control technician to a salesperson or something like that. But if you have those solid people, talk to them when you're doing their appraisal time and you're patting them on the back for doing a good job day in and day out. So finding those things that really resonate with your staff, that's at the heart of our mission statement. We feel if we can help businesses succeed, then the communities around them are going to prosper. And that's been a tenant of, of who we are from the day that we were established. But Every couple of years, they use a survey tool to ask us what's important to us as employees. So if we're going to put our money and our time behind these things, what's going to resonate with with you and how would we get you involved? Over the 10 years that I've been here, almost 10 years I've been here, I've seen it change a little bit. Some of the things that we added to the mix, we recently added some environmental stuff and, and some other kinds of social organizations that we didn't have in the mix prior to. So that's also cool when you ask somebody what's important to them and then you actually do something about it, right? Yeah. That's important. It goes longer than anything else. Money, time off. If you listen to them and they realize it, you'll get a soldier, at least for six months. But either way, once you know that, it makes the relationship that much easier. Either you're doing what you're supposed to do as the leader or their manager. And then when they're not doing their work, maybe you're reminded. And it's tough. And Ed's opinion on this has got to be amazing. Because in his time, there was no... Hey, I'm helping you do anything. I'm paying you to come here to work and you're going to work. Anything else, you're lucky. Right. Now now it's the complete opposite. Thank you for coming to work. I lent you money to get divorced. I lent (laughs) you money to when you had to bury your parents and I let you work it off overtime. I did things. (laughs) And we had a company picnic and we had the fantastic Christmas parties. Expectations changed for sure. Yes, they did. And one of the things that don't overlook, you said, we're going to do it again. We're in six months. We got to do it again. Engage your employees, put it out there. Say, Hey, over the next six months, anybody have a cause that is close to your heart? Is there anything that you want to do? Maybe you have one or two people who are really rah-rah on that stuff. Hey, Ask them to grab a cup of coffee. Let's sit down and just brainstorm. Let's talk about it. Larger organization like Insperity, we have what we call our culture team. 
and it's regional. I'm on that culture team. And our volunteer job is to think about ways to pull all of, all, all of us from Boston to DC together. What kind of activities can we do? What kind of topics do you think everybody's going to be engaged with? And we do our own surveys to our everybody in the Northeast. And so pick the brains. Don't feel like it's all on your shoulders. Yeah. Another good point to remember. It's also beneficial for your business. Once you get involved with these charities, they say, who can I put you in touch with to get you business? Because they are thankful that you're helping raise funds for them. So it is a double-edged sword. In, in a sense, you want to do good or you're picking something that your team wants to do. You're going to get new business. The karma. people that are on the executive challenge for the leukemia and loan. The guy that asked me to do it, I met at a networking event and he works for an accounting firm and probably was no help to me at all business-wise. But he said, do you want to do this? And I said, yeah, we do stuff for cancer. Absolutely. And then I get on the board and the first thing that the person says, hey, thanks for coming on. We have this person that runs this building uh, management company that, by the way, only has like 800,000 apartments that they manage. And I was like, this is amazing. People are going to give you business if they can, because Mm -hmm. you're one of them now. You're doing good with them and they'd rather work with you than whoever their normal provider is who they've asked for money for 10 years and never gave them. Right, right. So. Sure. They're, invested, they're invested in you too because you're invested in them. I know how I, I would have dealt with this, but I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I have a boy known to abuse sick time and went on vacation and now was claiming that he tested positive for COVID. That means two extra weeks of sick time to quarantine. Can I ask for proof of uh, a diagnosis? What is the best way to proceed? Firemen pay the unemployment insurance. Yeah, and deal with the the lawyers that come chase. I, I just want to put out there. I know how frustrating these situations are. I've heard them over and over again. The, the short answer is yes, you can ask for that negative test result. You say, hey, did you get a test? Yes, you did. Could you send me that for my records? You got to be forward on the empathy. You got to put the frustration down and you got to say to the employee, I hope you're okay. So lead with that personal part first. You know that they're an abuser of this time. So you want to launch into, okay, there's some things I have to do for the company. We got rules. So yes, can you send me that negative test? And then let me talk to you about what happens now. Okay, you don't have any more time off available to you. So it's unpaid time. Okay, empathy. And you want to focus on those company roles and you want to make sure you go back. And if you're not the direct manager, you want to go back to the manager and say, okay, I understand the frustration, but he's saying, or she's saying that they have a covered reason. They've got COVID. I'm following up to confirm that in the meantime, you can't show your frustration. You got to treat them as if they've got the flu or they, whatever it is, you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt and then talk to the manager. Okay. If this isn't a person who abuses the attendance policy and they're calling out a lot. Are we focusing on that? Have you had those conversations? Start to work into how do we weed this person out of the company based on performance or attendance outside of this? Could I say, no, I'm really worried about you. I need a letter from your doctor saying that you'd be okay in pest control. You can't just ask for a doctor's note if they're calling out once in a while, but you can say, hey, you know what? I've noticed during football season, you call out on Mondays a lot. And so based on that, 
if you are going to be out again on a Monday, I am going to ask for a doctor's note because to me, it seems like maybe that's not the reason. Maybe you're staying up to watch that late game. It changes what you as the employer can go ahead and move forward on uh, in terms of a discipline. Can you proactively say, hey, the Jets are playing tonight. Are you going to be in tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually had somebody that <clears throat> we were like, He's never sick. I looked. The Jets played last night. They played the late game. Sick. So all right, let's see what happens. They got a Thursday night game at the end of the season. Let's see what happens. And sure enough, Friday called out. In other parts of the state and country, the laws are lax. In the city of New York, you can't, and this might have changed, but we were told uh, whenever the sick laws change, it has to be a consecutive three days before you can ask for a doctor's note. Three days is the rule of thumb across the country. We say don't ask before three days because nobody's going to the doctor because they have a stomach bug or something like that. But if you're seeing a pattern and you can go back and you can talk to your HR specialist and say, again, he's always out after the Jets game. What's the next question? Did you talk to him about it? <laughs> Did you ask him about it? And I wouldn't lead with, hey, there's a Jets game on Thursday. You're going to be out on Friday. I'd say, I noticed that whenever the Jets play, you're out the next day and I get you like them, but I need you here. So if you're not going to be in, you got to be proactive. You got to take that day off in advance. You got to ask for it, right? You can't do this to us every time at the last minute. You you mess up our schedules. So you can be proactive and, and address it. You see a pattern, you can bring it up. Sometimes my director operation would be like, I'm thinking this, I'm thinking that. I'm like, stop thinking about it and just... Let's get a definitive answer, yeah. which by the way, everybody listening, there's not always a definitive answer. There's, it could be this, it could be that. And that's the nature of HR because sometimes an employee will say something and that triggers all of these things you never want to hear about, like AD or any type of human rights violation. So you just got to be careful. Ignorance is bliss. You don't know. Oh, I didn't know I couldn't say that. Well, right? you didn't get into business to think about those sorts of things. And and if you're a great employee, you don't think about all of these laws because you don't need them to protect you in your job. Now, the ones that are hanging on to their jobs by their fingernails, they know where every comma is in that statute. And so that's what you've got to be mindful of or watching yourself, protecting yourself. For. Yeah, you sleep better at night. People say that I'm common now because of age, but I'm just common now because we're doing things the right way and we don't have to worry. People out there that I hear about these alleged OTB jobs. And I, the first thing I'm like, what happens if they got hurt? What, what, what's your workers' comp going to say? But people aren't thinking about that. They're just thinking about where they could save the most money. They're thinking about cutting corners. And that's where we all get in trouble. Yeah. I always say, do you want to be a little aggravated now with an employee and, and just deal with a little bit of a prolonged situation to make sure you do it right? Or do you want to deal with lawyers later? Because I'll tell you what, they're going to drag things out and take a lot longer and probably cost you a lot more money than you, you would otherwise have to deal with. I was talking to uh, somebody that just joined Insperity maybe like a month ago through the podcast. I was with his GM today. And we were just talking and he was like, I hey, was thinking about doing things like that. And I was like, bro, call HR specialist. He was like, nah, but we do this all the time. I'm like, let me explain. They're your HR specialist. You're paying for them. And they're also your EPLI insurance. And that covers if you mess up in this termination, if you speak to the HR specialist and that person says, yeah, this is good. Yeah, I understand. No problem. That alleviates any issue down the road of 
them coming to you and saying, oh my God, you cost us our EPLI insurance to go up. You had the conversation with them. For any termination or out of the ordinary new hire, we call Insparity and say, here's what's going on. Here's what we're thinking about doing. Is it legal? What do you suggest? It's like when you're taking an open book test, you do all the questions and then you go look the other ones up. Why not? (laughs) You've you've got the expert there on, on speed dial. So why don't you use us? Anyway, there are a ton of questions, which is why this is not going to be the only time. And we have an FLA question. I don't know if FMLA changes state by state. Now, I could address that real quick. The question is, I have 39 employees. I'm located in Atlanta, Georgia. Do I have to provide FMLA? And the answer, the, the real short answer is no, you don't. And the little bit longer explanation is Family Medical Leave Act is federal applies to employers who have 50 or more employees in the U.S. anywhere. So if you have a total of 50 or more, now you're a covered employer. But even then, your employees may not get that 12 weeks of job protection that the law offers unless they hit all these other criteria. And that's where you would want to dig down. How long did they work for me? Where do they work? How many people do I have in the area? But if you're under 50, FMLA doesn't apply at all. So follow-up question that there's been a ton of speculation on. If you have 100 part-time employees, you fall under FMLA? Yes. You do. I remember this when the Healthcare Act, Obamacare came out, people were like, I'm just going to hire more part-time people or whatever. But then they were like, if I owned four pest control companies, one was 100%, the other was 30, then those all come and fall under that. So like you said, Laurie, you could dig so far down into it and you need to as a company to find out what you can do and that's why you haven't spent yeah because those laws they they can be challenging for us like i gave a very solid answer there 100 people yeah and then i was like but why so i was looking it up as we were talking and fmla you mentioned obamacare that's different rules so every one of these laws these mandates whether it's a state or federal you got to dig into it each time and you got to look at the situation for who am I applying this to sometimes? Because you might have five people who work for you who get FMLA job protection and then five more that don't because they just don't have all the qualifications right now. They didn't work for you long enough. So navigating all of these things are a huge challenge. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare for a true small business. Right. You know, small business in the United States is considered 50 million and under. But I'm just talking about anybody 10 million and under in my opinion, trying to navigate all this stuff is insanity. And even at 10 million, maybe you can afford an in-house HR team of two or three, maybe, depending on what your margins are and whatnot. But it just gets crazy trying to navigate it all. It really does. When I first started a business, the first thing that I said I was doing was getting a payroll company because I'm not going to the bank. I'm not trying to figure out payroll taxes. And the other piece that I'm learning over time is I'd rather spend money to get it done than spend my time to potentially get it done. Because that potentially done wrong, not only did you lose your time, which is valuable, truthfully, you could put a dollar amount on my time. But now what fines did I open myself up to trying to save money doing it myself? So it's crazy. All right. We are going to have you guys back on. We are going to have follow-up questions. I just want to say thank you again to Jill and Laurie from Insperity. Jill, great seeing you again. Laurie, pleasure. 
to meet you. Laura Grillo is doing a fabulous job, but she is great. She's a peer of mine. She's in the New York office. I'm in the New Jersey office, but we've seen each other quite a bit. Yeah. Through COVID, she's been amazing. I don't know if it's just being from this part of uh, the world. I dare say that she gets us, which is a huge help with the way we speak in New York. Because she <laughs> gets it and is, yeah, don't worry about it. Just look get, let's go. Let's get to meat and potatoes of it, which is helpful, I think, for all of us. She gets off the phone quicker with us and she understands where we're coming from. This was a real pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Yes, I look hey, forward to coming back. Thanks for the info. No worries. And if you get some questions like over the next few days and you just need to get them answered really quickly because maybe it is moving landscape with COVID, reach out, let us know. We'll help you. Happy to. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Sauce, the boss for Calling Confidential. Uh, I just want to thank you again for listening to our Q&A with Insperity. Thank you to Jill Chapman and Lori Sweeney. Always a wealth of information. We're going to speak with them again, so make sure you send us your questions at colonyconfidential at gmail.com. DM us at Colony Confidential Podcast on Instagram and all other social media. Thank you again for listening. Q&A. We're going to be speaking with Insperity again, so make sure you send us your questions at Colony Confidential Podcast on all social media, Ed and Joe on Facebook, Ed and Joe Sheehan on Facebook. You can email us at colonyconfidential at gmail.com. Listen, the questions were great. I'm, I'm sorry we didn't get to all of them, but thankfully I'm not an owner. But if I was, I would learn a lot from these questions and I would be prepared. The fact that I'm no longer involved <clears throat> in the day-to-day running of a pest control business. I'm lucky I came around. My time was the best time to get into pest control for somebody with a lot of ambition and limited money. And once you made it, you were in control. You were the boss and holy shit, you were in control. Ah, I know all you think that I'm terrible. Do your job, do it. You got your insurance, your health insurance. You got some time off. Don't abuse it and do your job. Creep. Unfortunately, that's not the way in the world. Wait a minute. That is the way in my world, which is very limited, apparently. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. American, all the ships at sea. Ed Sheehan for Colin Confidential. I hope you were listening today with Insperity. And I really want to thank you. There are a lot of people sending a lot of great questions. We didn't get to them all. And there's a couple that I want to know. I want to know how it would be handled today. But the ones that we did talk over, learned a lot. I learned a lot. I'm glad I'm not in business anymore. That's what I learned. We have a lot more with Insperity to come. Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea. Until we meet again, God bless you.